0: I'm going to be doing the workshop on boundaries. I'm Hi, my name is Ian. Hi, <laughs> Ian! <laughs> yes. Perfect, thank you.
1: Um, just by way of a of a background, uh, I've been in Alamon since 2000. I do identify myself as an adult child. Um, although I didn't know that when I got in the program, I got here because of somebody else who was an adult child. Um, Turns out that I was attracted to adult children. Uh dependency is one of my major defects of character at that. Um, so if you come up to me and ask me for help
0: later on, I'll be sure to help <laughs> um, you.
1: Okay, I was married to another person as I said who was an adult child. She didn't was an adult child, we got married and later on in the life found out that her dad was not. I have uh, uh, three children, lives, which is 19th which is mine, and they live 17 hours away from the basement. This is all by way of background. I have huge difficulties now, but certainly before in my marriage, knowing what was my responsibility Or what wasn't my responsibility. Uh, I didn't know what my role really was as a father or as a husband or a child Uh, I had this idea of what I thought it was but it turns out those ideas were wrong and I'm not sure where I got those ideas from but they sure led to a lot of problems in my life Um, I will say that I volunteer as a facilitator in a family support group that is not called status it's something I do through my church uh, that influences my talk here. I'm my stuff as Al Anon centric as I can. But that's, this other thing is part of my experience strength the home, and it's going to come out in my talk. So, I'm not sure exactly what your handouts look like. Mine's slightly different because I have my notes on it to myself, and I hope I got it all straightened out when I have those printed. There are no more handouts left over. I may be able to that's get right. a few more made up you want? Okay. You're missing one, too? Okay. Thank you There's one here. There's one. There's one back here. I'll let Okay. I can give you a copy of mine afterwards if you want. <laughs> okay. So the purpose of this workshop is to discuss the concepts of boundaries, un- what unhealthy boundaries look like. What unhealthy... What healthy boundaries look like and the steps you can take to go from the unhealthy ones to the healthy ones. It's been kind of busy for me getting ready for this festival, so if I end up reading my notes a lot, it's because I just haven't put in the time and effort to, to do this off the cuff. I had to have the notes because I knew I just wasn't gonna get there without them. So prior to recovery, I'd less, I'd really lost track of the separation between myself and others. Where, where, where do other people begin I IN? IM? I didn't understand that concept, we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, I took on responsibilities that didn't belong to me. I became enmeshed. My former wife told me I was a tangled petunia with her. So if you're a gardener and you know when those plants are going up and they're kind of scraggly and thin and they grow really long, uh, we were tangled petunias. and it, It's pretty accurate, that description. Although, I don't remember too many flowers, I just remember the tango part. Uh, My life really wasn't mine. I wasn't living my life. I was living the lives of the people around me, trying to help them live theirs. I did not have a concept that I was responsible for living my own life. And how I was doing depended totally on how they were doing. None of it was about me, but it was all about me, but what I did was make it all about them. All right. So I canceled plans. I didn't meet with my friends. I didn't have people over at the house. I gave up doing my hobbies. I isolated myself more and more and more as my disease got worse and worse and worse. We talk about alcoholism being a progressive disease. The family disease of alcoholism is a progressive disease, too. If you don't treat it, it gets worse and worse and worse. And hopefully, eventually, you end up in Alamo. But you usually don't get here until it's so bad that you can't stand it anymore. Randy, can you check and see if that's on heat or whether it's on air conditioning? Because it's <laughs> getting hot up here. Uh, so why did I do this? Why why did I behave that way? Well, I thought I was motivated by love. I remember taking a marriage class or an engaged encounter class being taught to put you apart from the first. PPF put your partner first, so I put my partner first in everything I did What I didn't understand was I actually have to put myself first. That's my responsibility And I'll get into that a little bit later So I thought I was doing it out of love, but I was doing it out of fear. I had a need to belong I didn't know that at the time. I feared being on my own. I feared being abandoned I feared not being good enough. I secretly believed I wasn't good enough that I didn't belong in that relationship so I had to do everything I could to stay in it because I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want that not being good enough to be true. So I did everything I could to kind of try and make it work. And I thought that meant giving up who I was and trying to make her happy all the time. So you guys should have a page that looks like this. It's probably not in red, though. No? There is a whole bunch of common defects of character that are written down in it. And uh, I want you guys to just consider the ones you might struggle with. Maybe put a tick mark beside them. Have a look at them. Um, If you have any questions about any of them, we'll talk about them briefly. But nobody has to share what they write down. This is just an exercise for you to look at this stuff. and, And we'll talk about it in a couple minutes.
0: Okay. Thank you for telling me.
1: I'll get to that. And I, by the way, I left some spots in there for you to write in your favorite defective character if I didn't cover it on that list. <laughs> Are there any on there that people don't understand what they mean? Yes. Oh,
0: difficulty, difficulty accepting other people's no's. Oh, okay.
1: Uh, Just yeah. There's one on there. Difficulty accepting other people's nose. Not not their nose on the front of their face, but the word no. There are some people when somebody else says no to them. They think their job is to convince them that they should have said yes. So they work on them, manipulate them until they say yes. So there are some people who can't accept other people saying no to them. Uh, Those people make great teleworkers. conditional love
0: could unconditional love be on
1: here too um, I don't consider <laughs> unconditional love a defective character conditional love is
0: expecting it maybe
1: What? looking for unconditional love I don't yeah. even think that's a defective mean, character everybody He's needs to be rescued. loved
0: but conditional
1: love is I will love you if okay yeah so we're just talking about conditional love somebody asked well where's unconditional love we'll get to that in a minute does anybody, everybody understand what conditional love is
0: it's probably what if you,
1: Well, if you experienced any love at all, it's probably what you experienced as a child. It's really what's most common, but it's that idea of, I will love you if, if you do this, or if you're good, or if you get good grades, or if you stay in your room and be quiet tonight, or if you don't hit your brother, I will love you if, okay? And that's how most of us were taught to love, because that's what we got, but... I'm going to try and convince you that that's actually a defect character. Conditional love is all about trying to control other people, trying to get them to behave the way you want, and in return, you will give them love. Thank you. Anybody else have any questions oh, about these? Sorry? Somebody have a question about any of these? Is there any one of these somebody wants to uh, feel that they feel really strongly about and somebody wants to talk about a little bit? I'd like to talk a bit about this one, always being held responsible. Like, is that feeling like we're responsible for everything ourselves or having other people saying, you know, this happened and you're responsible? Both are correct, (laughs) okay? Often, Often people, uh, especially the firstborn in a family, is the responsible child. There's always someone who takes on the role of taking responsibility for others. Um, Sometimes that's in a response to uh, conditional love. If you behave yourself, then I will love you. If you take care of this, then I will love you. People take care of others to get acceptance and to get love back. So that's feeling like you're always responsible for others. There's also some people who might have had a parent or somebody else in the family that always blame them for everything that went wrong, even though they had nothing to do with it. So somebody else said, you were always responsible. Or you, as an individual, always blame somebody else and make them always responsible. Okay. So that one covers off both of those. Hey. How are we doing, Randy? Okay. So what I want to tell you is that everything on that page is a boundary issue. It amazes me when I sit back and look at recovery, what recovery is about. Because recovery is about trying to make relationships healthier, trying to, to be me when I'm with you, and trying to be a good me when I'm with you, and allow you to be you when we're together. And that's what boundaries are all about. Boundaries are all about relationship and making them work. In fact, program, a big part of program is learning how to develop healthy boundaries. We don't always use that terminology, but boundaries and recovery go hand in hand in programming. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the gifts. These are the defects of character, and they're all related to boundary problems. So what are some of the gifts you get once you start developing healthy boundaries? Well, something called detachment with love. Have you heard of that before? I, I would hold that detachment is actually a problem, a boundary problem, and I'm going to actually draw that one out on the board a little bit later, what detachment is. But detachment with love is a healthy way of setting boundaries. When you're having trouble with the other person, their choices, what they're doing, you attached with love. I'm like, that's your stuff. I can take care of me. You take care of you. I don't have to feel, accept, love, what you're doing right now. That's your stuff. That's attachment with love. doesn't mean I hold it against you. It just means I'm not going to be a part of it, and I'll love you anyway. Uh, Minding my own business more. When you get healthy boundaries, you realize what's theirs and what's yours. And boy, that sure saves a lot of fights. If it's not my stuff, I stay out of it. it makes it makes a lot of problems go away. Um, Less feeling like I'm responsible for solving other people's problems. That's another gift of healthy boundaries. That whole idea of, I always felt responsible before, well, no, in fact, I'm only responsible for me. I am responsible for me, when I have kids, I may be responsible for my kids, depending on their age. And there's this concept we're going to talk about a little bit later about being responsible to someone. When you're in a spousal relationship, for example, you have a responsibility to your spouse for being faithful, for being honest, for being supportive. You're not responsible for them. They're responsible for themselves, but you do have a responsibility to them uh, because of the relationship. Less over committing. Um, What that is all about is if you're a good codependent like me, people who need you to help with festivals and things like that come to you and say, oh, we'll get Ian to do it. He doesn't know how to say no. Okay. And when you start getting healthy boundaries, you start having enough faith in yourself that you trust your gut when it says, don't say yes. It's okay not to say yes. You can say no, and no is a complete sentence all by itself. More time set aside for self-care. It's really related to that, not over Um More balanced relationships. Did you guys know that relationships are a two-way street? Man, I didn't know that. I thought my job was to take care of her, and I didn't matter. Oh, you mean it's this thing where I have needs and wants, and she have need- has needs and wants, and we're supposed to work that out together? I didn't know that's how relationships were supposed to work but that's how they're supposed to work. And when you've got healthy boundaries, you kind of set up these rules and guidelines that help it work that way. Okay? More serenity. If you're not looking after other people's stuff, you've got more time to look after yourself that leads to more serenity. I think that one's pretty obvious. More acceptance of self than others. One of the miracles I think of Al-Anon is I can walk into a room, I can be with all you people, we're all sick, we all accept each other where we're at. I don't know what you do for a living, I don't know what you do for a living, I don't know if you get a lot of money or if you have none, and I don't care. In Al-Anon, one of the biggest gifts is that we're all equal, right? and um, I can accept you when I'm in recovery. I couldn't accept you before. I, I, I can be friends now with people I was never friends with before recovery, because I couldn't accept them. with where they're at. they were at. They were just different. I didn't want to know you. right? I've also learned here to accept myself because you guys accept me where I'm at. I learned to accept me too. And greater self-esteem and self-love. I honestly believe that a big part of our disease is our inability to love ourselves. And as we grow in recovery, as we start setting up boundaries, we start loving ourselves. We start understanding that our higher power loves ourselves. We start setting boundaries that tell people, if you're not going to love me, I, I really don't want to have that kind of a relationship with you. If you're just going to sit there and abuse me or take things from me, you know, whether it's my spirit, my serenity, whatever, you know, we don't have to have this relationship. When you start loving yourself, you start picking your relationships differently. Why? Because you're not in that relationship to get a need met. Right? When you're needy, you get into a relationship to manipulate the other person to get your needs met. If you love yourself and you don't need somebody else to love you just to feel okay about yourself, then when you're in that relationship with them, it's the love part of the gift, a real gift, not a gift with strings attached. I'm loving because I don't need anything in return. It's just what I feel like doing. How we doing? All right, my next page says, this page intentionally left blank. I want to draw for you what some boundaries look like. This is a model I got taught, and I won't draw all of it here, but, okay, here's a person, actually I drew that wrong, darn, I didn't draw very much, and I already got it wrong. So here's a person, and this person is passive. What does that mean? Other people come in and make demands on this person. There is no boundary between this person and the other people. This person says yes all the time, even though they want to say no. Okay? This person doesn't know how to say no because they're afraid of hurting other people's feelings. And they think if they make other people upset, then they're not going to love them or accept them for one. This person has no self esteem, has this hole in their gut. That says they're not good enough, so I've got to somehow please these other people so I feel good enough. This is a person who's passive with their boundaries; they don't have boundaries. Their higher power—who do you think their higher power is? The other people. They'll listen to the other people. They'll do what the other people say. They've lost themselves. Okay. Next person. Okay?
0: <laughs>
1: this person is aggressive with their boundaries. There's a wall around them. okay? A wall. Nobody comes in. People make demands or ask or requests. People want to have a relationship. They bounce off the wall. Talk to the hand. I don't want to see you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. And guess what we do. Guess what we do. Well, first of all, let me say, does this look familiar to people, both of these? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of us, especially adult children, but a lot of the alamons, live up here. And they take it, and they take it, and they take it, until they get so pissed off that they move to here. There's no balance. They don't know what balance is. Balance is that pendulum swinging from one extreme to the other that Josiah talked about, and you recognize the balance point point and you swing by it, right? <laughs> you don't know how to get there. When I first came into program, I thought the balance point was like a knife edge. If I could see it that thin, if I, if I did everything just right, I could be balanced, right? And then I'd fall over, right, and go to one extreme or the other. It's because I was balancing between these two. I was up here to get my needs met, but I got so abused up here and didn't really get what I needed that I would eventually retaliate all that stuff, those feelings and stuff, would cause me to set up walls. I would isolate myself. I would tell everybody to piss off. I've had enough. And I would sit there until I got so lonely and so desperate that I'd bounce back up to here. And I'd just go between these two. By the way, this is detachment without love. When you go from here to here, that's detachment. Now my whiteboard isn't big enough, so I'm going to have to erase one of these. Just remember that passive one. How many people think being assertive is a bad thing? Okay, assertive is the language I use for having healthy boundaries. So what's that look like? Well, imagine a picket fence with a gate in it. I control the gate. The gate's malign. So this person is assertive. Okay? I control the gate. There's people out here. I can see them. I can choose how much I interact with them, whether I let them into the gate or I ask them to leave. Okay? That's what healthy boundaries look like. It's my space. It's my life. I let in who I want, and those that I don't think belong there, I ask to leave. I'm aware of these other people out here and what they're asking from me, and depending on how I'm doing, I can either let them in or not. If I'm having a bad day and I need to be by myself, and somebody who always comes over and talks to me, um, phones and says, I need to come over, I can say, it's not a good day for me. Sorry. When one of my sponsors phones me, and it doesn't matter where they're at, one of my sponsors phones me, one of the rules I have with them is, it's your job to phone me anytime you have to. Don't hesitate to call. It's my job to tell you whether this is a good time for me. So I don't want them deciding for me whether they're going to call, and I will take the call. I want them to call, and it's up to me to respond, You either say, look... I'm in a bad space right now, not now. I will call you when I can, or I'm too busy right now, or I'm watching a movie with my girlfriend right now, or whatever. It's up to me to set that boundary. I ask them to ask, because that's their job, and it's up to me to say yes or no. And then I have, if I say no, I follow up and say, I'll call you as soon as I can. But that's a model for what a healthy boundary looks like. It's a picket fence. It's not somebody who's in here and can't come out without anybody in. It's somebody who controls the game. And that's where we're trying to get to. And it takes practice. It takes practice. Because you know what? Most of us weren't taught how to do this. Most of us saw either this or the passive person. Most of us saw... And I'm going to describe some of these behaviors in words in a minute. But most of us saw stuff modeled that it had nothing to do with good boundaries, and everything to do with codependent behavior and people, and conditional love. Okay, so did you all get your pretty pictures done? Okay, so some definitions. I've, I've purposely left it to this point to talk about the definitions of boundaries. And uh, that's what's on the next page. I've got four different definitions. You can pick which ones you think are best for you, but but they all kind of give an idea here Boundaries define what is and is not acceptable to an individual What might be acceptable to me is different than what might be acceptable to Karen Right Richard coming over and giving me a hug is acceptable sometimes That's fine. It depends on circumstance if it was in the middle of a busy street and you know, he came over and gave me a hug there and wouldn't let go of me, I might not consider that acceptable at that point in time. Right? Richard coming over and giving me a ch- kiss on the cheek probably wouldn't be acceptable at any point in time. <laughs> <laughs> <It'd be
0: funny>. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: But Richard coming over and giving Karen a kiss on the cheek is probably, at most times, acceptable to her. So it'll, what's acceptable and what isn't depends on the individual but boundaries define what's acceptable and what isn't to you. Boundaries also define the difference between what's yours and what's mine. Okay. My former wife, uh, we had three kids, and there was ten years between the oldest and the youngest. And the, the two older ones would pick on the youngest one. And she said, this is what you got to do, Jonah. <laughs> and that's what his name was. When the other kids are picking on you, you go like this. And you tell them, that's your space, and they need to stay out of it. And he was four, and you got that. Right? This is my space. This is mine. It's not yours. I need you to stay out of my space. It's a very graphic example of setting a boundary. Boundaries describe what we are and are not responsible for. I am not responsible for whether you have a good day today not responsible for whether you don't have a good day. I'm not responsible for whether you're happy or not. I'm not responsible for whether uh, one of our speakers shows up or not. I'm not responsible for whether the PA system is working or not. I'm not responsible for whether this festival is successful or not. What am I responsible for? I'm responsible for me and my stuff, and only my stuff. God, grant me serenity. Set the things I cannot change, the things I'm not responsible for courage to change things I can't, things I am responsible for, which have to do with me, and the wisdom to know the difference. What's our first step say? Our first step says we're powerless over everything outside of this. I'm powerless over everything else. I really am. Right? Our first step tells us we have a problem with boundaries. And until we accept the fact that we're powerless over all those things, we're going to keep having problems with boundaries. Okay. So, um, so like anything else in recovery, I need to become aware of how I use or don't use healthy boundaries in my relationships. You've heard of the three A's? Awareness? It's the second one. Acceptance, and then action. So we have to be aware of what our boundaries are like. And then we have to accept why we do the things we do, and then we can take action to change them. The acceptance part can be really hard. I have to accept the fact that the reason I kept trying to please my wife was because I had really low self-esteem, didn't think I was good enough, and I was afraid, terrified that she would leave me. And she did. No matter how hard I hung on to her, she left me. I wasn't solving the problem by trying to work my connection to her harder. I was making things worse. My disease was progressing. And the good news is, now that I'm working on me, I'm glad I'm not in that relationship anymore. (laughs) Okay, um, And it takes time for boundary skills to improve. They have to be practiced. You have to work on them. We could have done a whole weekend workshop on boundaries. The, the program that I help facilitate is nine weeks long, and we have lots of people who come back for a second time, because they hear it the first time, and then they start practicing it the second time. So boundaries take a lot of work. So don't expect to come out of here knowing exactly what to do, but hopefully you can point yourself in any direction. Okay. And I'm kind of skipping through my notes here, so... All right. What's next? This is going to sound dramatic, but I got a backpack and I got a rock, okay? So my question for is, so what is it that I am responsible for? And I'm going to give you, I don't know what the right terminology is, a metaphor for Separate that the right terminology? This backpack represents what I'm responsible for. These are the things in my life that I need to take care of for myself. Going to the doctor. There's lots of people in recovery who don't like going to doctors. They don't want to hear what they have to say, they don't want to be told they're not doing things right. They don't want, they don't want to go there. Right? They're also afraid of authority figures. Nobody else can make you go to the doctor. That's something they're responsible for. So. There's kind of a boundary issue there with yourself. Boundaries affect yourself, too. I'm responsible for going to the doctor. That's one of the things in my backpack. I'm responsible for eating well and eating healthily. I'm responsible for getting myself educated in areas I need to be educated in. I can ask others for help in that, but, you know, it's basically my responsibility. Um, It's my responsibility when I go camping to bring a bug screen or uh, bug juice and sunscreen and uh, something to eat on the trip, things like that. All those things go in my backpack. So these are the things that I'm responsible for. The backpack is what I'm responsible for. The rock. This rock represents what most of us put in our backpacks. Those heavy things in life that we were never meant to carry by ourselves. You know, my higher power didn't say I had to recover all by myself. Recovery is a great example of a rock. Until we get into recovery, we carry the weight of our disease in our backpack, and we lug it around everywhere we go. It kills us. But at some point, we come to realize that that, rep- that rock represents a burden that we were not meant to carry by ourselves. Recovery doesn't happen by yourself. It happens in groups. It happens in meetings. It happens in working sponsorship. It happens in a relationship with retire power. There are things in life we weren't meant to do alone. And when we try to do them alone, the load is too heavy and it can kill us. Okay? When you lose someone, and you're grieving, you're not meant to carry that alone. Sure, there's a part of that you've got to do yourself, but like a big rock, you need help to carry it. You're not meant to carry it by yourself. Okay. Sometimes when you're in financial trouble, you need help. You're not meant to carry that by yourself. There are people out there that can help. And my responsibility in those situations is to ask for help and accept help when it's offered to so, the stuff in the backpack, I'm responsible for. i got to get myself to the doctor. But, like, uh, when you get yourself into a medical situation where you've broken an arm or something like that, well, you can't fix that yourself. You need help and you need to ask for help. When you're grieving, you need help. You need support. When you're recovering from codependency and alcoholism, you need help. So, this is a burden that you're not meant to carry by yourself. And the backpack represents the kind of stuff you are meant to carry. And boundaries are all about figuring out what belongs in my backpack that I should carry for myself, and what's a burden that I need help with. Okay. i got to find myself. Uh. Okay, so when I confuse the difference between what are my legitimate responsibilities and what are my legitimate bo- uh, burdens, I run into boundary problems. <coughs> and when I confuse what are other people's legitimate responsibilities and other people's burdens, I run into other kinds of boundary problems. And we're going to describe these in a second. Finally, when I refuse to support other people with their burdens, there's yet another kind of boundary problem i So I'm going to talk about some definitions here. Have I I confused anybody? No? Good. There's, There's some convenient labels here that help explain what I'm talking about. So the first one is called a compliant. So a compliant is that passive person who says yes to everybody. A compliant person can't say no. They're afraid to say no. They comply with every request that comes along they're afraid of saying no, they need to belong, they don't set a boundary, they help everybody else. There's two problems with that. One is sometimes they help other people carry their backpacks. Wait a second, isn't that their backpack? Isn't that their job? Yeah. But compliant people are more than happy to carry other people's backpacks. Thanks, Ann. Oh, man. I'm glad that, that burden off me. While well, you have fun carrying my backpack. I'm going to go out water skiing. See you later. If know, And a compliant person will say yes. Okay. And they'll take on responsibilities that aren't theirs, that belong to somebody else. Why do they do it? Because they need to be needed. They need to belong. They're afraid to say no. It's it's all fear-based. Avoidance. An avoidant is a person... I've got this burden, and, oh, my life is so difficult. And you come up and ask me if you can help me with my burden. Go ahead, Robbie.
0: Oh, this is so
1: heavy. Would you like to help the burden? Oh, no, 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 that's okay. I can do this myself. <laughs> oh, but it is really heavy. You know, I'm working really hard doing this. So an avoidant is the kind of person who will... Um, who can't hear yes, or, or can't say yes, or they can't say yes. When somebody offers to come help them with a burden, a legitimate burden that they need help with, somebody else makes an offer. I can't hear yes. No, no, no. Your yes, I can't hear that. I can't accept that. I can't accept your yes. I have to do this by myself. Why do we do that? Because we think we're not worthy. We don't want other people to know that we're needy. For some reason, yeah, we're not good enough to get help from you.
0: So,
1: a program Yep. I <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes it comes from just not ever having had an example of, you know, of of what is, how it's healthy to do it. Good point. It was never modeled to you that it's okay to get help with your burdens. You You don't think it's okay for you to get help. You don't know that you can say yes. That you can accept that help. You think you've got to do it by yourself. A strong man would never accept help from someone else. That's why we never ask for directions. You know? (laughs) 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 <laughs> you know, it's what we're taught it's what we're taught we're taught to be independent we're taught to be strong we're taught to never show signs of weakness i got to tell you a relationship is much more intimate and I don't mean in a sexual way but much more intimate, much more honest when you're willing to have other people help you and you accept that help gratefully you receive that help and later on it's your turn to give it back to them or to somebody else that's what relationships are about. That's the give and take. That's the equalness in a relationship. It's not all one-sided. Okay, Controllers. Okay? And you want to take this backpack from me? I'm tired of carrying it. Gee, I can really use your help. Thank you very much. That's great. I just manipulated someone into helping me carry my, not my burden, but my backpack. And controllers do that all the time. They're the people who look for other people to solve their problems. If I can get you to lend me 100 bucks, then I don't have a problem with money. So I will work on manipulating you to give me that 100 bucks. And guess what kind of a person I am an expert at picking out of the crowd. The yeah, the compliant. The compliant. Controllers find compliance like that. They're great at it. They just <clears throat> zero in. You ever heard somebody say, I feel like I have a nest on my forehead. Everybody thinks I'm a sucker. <laughs> that person's a compliant. Right? And the controller says, oh, there he is.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. i got to tell you, organizations are very good at finding those compliance people. Yeah. And usually it's the controllers that are out there trying to find the volunteers.
0: But isn't that how some people kind of stay in that as compliant because of the controller if you're in a work situation? You know, and... You say no, and they're making you do, because they're the controller, and they're the ones also in charge. And so you're kind of forced to, and then after a while, it just becomes a way of life, even into your home life.
1: But you said you're kind of forced to, and I would take issue with that. You may think you're forced to, but just like they're talking about on the other side, once you start getting a little healthier, you decide what's acceptable to you and what isn't and then you set a boundary. It may cost you your job, so you can't set that boundary lightly, but at some point you become aware that this person is abusing me, or this corporation is abusing me, this situation is abusing me. I no longer have my space. Right? They're just taking from me, and you have to get to the point where you can set a boundary and say, I'm not going to take this anymore. Here are the rules I'm prepared to live by, and if you can't accept them... Then I can't accept this relationship. Okay. Is that right if I'm mm-hmm. yep. non responsive? They're another type where remember when I was talking about being responsible to when you're in a spousal relationship, you're responsible to your spouse for support and understanding and love? A non responsive is a person who doesn't accept that responsibility. There's somebody who's in need that's asking for help and they just ignore them. They say, ah, oh, that's your problem. Okay. In a relationship, we have a responsibility to the other people that we're in a relationship with to some degree. It depends on the relationship, but to provide that support. Remember that give and take that I was talking about? A non-responsive will say, your problem, I'm not going to help you with that, that's yours. Okay. And that can cause real trouble in a marriage when one of the individuals becomes a non-responsive. Sometimes the compliant will try harder and harder and harder to please that person to try and get some affection back. Um, they'll also tend to avoid asking for help from them. Yeah, sorry, it's still... Yeah. Anyway, but the, the point is that when you're in a relationship with somebody, if you're non-responsive, you're not, you're not nurturing that relationship. It's There's a boundary issue there. You fail to recognize the, the need that somebody else has with their burden. And you do not respond. And as human beings, we have an obligation to some extent that when we have it within us, when we're well taken care of here, we've got something to get. And then we give without strings attached. If there's strings attached, you're talking about a contract. I'll do this for you if you give me something in return. When you give freely, there are no strings attached. Here it is. I'll give it to you. And why am I doing it? because I'm giving out of abundance. I've got lots for me. And when you've got that abundance, you want to give it away. That's what I've experienced anyway. When I'm full of feeling love, closeness to my higher power, good relationships, I've got all this energy that I'm prepared to give away. Why? Because I feel good doing it. That's the what's in it for me. I'm not doing it for you. I'm actually doing it because I like doing it. I've been given so much, I feel like I need to return something, and it doesn't have to come be returned to the same person, if if you just want to give it up. It's like, you know, people who make a lot of money tend to give a lot of money away to the arts and things like that. They get this sense that I've got more than I need, I'm prepared to give some away. So don't be surprised if you see yourself in several of these, when we have boundary issues. Depending on the relationship, we typically show these symptoms, if you want to call them that, in different ways in different relationships. So it might be one way with your spouse, it might be a different way at work, and it'll be a different way with your kids. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's normal. Oh, time's gone by fast. So what I've got on the next two pages, and I've tried to tie this in the program a little bit, is some of the rules in life that I didn't know. Did you guys know there are rules in life? There are rules in relationships? I was taught a whole bunch of different rules. But they didn't amount to what was on here. So I just want to talk a little bit about these rules and what they're about. Uh, The first rule is step one. I'm powerless over others. I was never taught that before. I was taught that, you know, if I can be controlling. I can either be aggressively controlling you, or I can manipulate you. I can be really subtle about it, like, ah, oh, I, oh, what's wrong? Oh, I'm not feeling so good. Oh, is there anything I can do to help? Yeah, if you, if, maybe you could get me some cigarettes. That example I just I gave the other day. She was just, yeah. <laughs> That—that's a controller. If, you know, somebody getting their needs met. Um, but this step one says power I need to recognize that I'm powerless over others but I have power over my own choices, so that's one of the rules in life you have choices you always have choices whether you realize it or not, some of them go by so fast that you didn't even recognize you had a choice there, you just react somebody does something to you Somebody cuts you off on the highway and the finger goes out, right? <laughs> that one,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: right? You had a choice. You reacted, but you had a choice. But it went by awfully fast. Uh, getting healthier in recovery gives you more time to make that choice. That's kind of one of the little things that happens. And the second one is choices. I'm responsible for making my own choices and the resulting consequences. Choices always come with consequences. It's kind of unfortunate, but they do. Oh, and by the way, not choosing also has consequences. Uh, very passive people won't make choices. Sherry, let's go to, for a restaurant. Where do you want to go? It
0: doesn't matter.
1: Oh, it doesn't matter to me either. Like you choose. No, no, you choose. No, no. Like the worst thing is an on convention where everybody's trying to decide where they're going for lunch. Because right? <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to make, we don't want to be responsible for making the wrong choice, right? We don't want to impose anything. We don't want to be responsible. We'll let you make the decision. When well, I mean, you get two people like that together, and it's just a mess. They don't make choices, but there's consequences to that. Here's an exercise for you. Next time you're faced in a situation where it really doesn't matter, and the other person says, well, it doesn't matter to me either, make a choice. If it doesn't matter, you're not going to be wrong. Just make a choice. Practice making choices. Uh, And you only learn by making mistakes. I heard somebody else say that. You only learn by making mistakes. So make a mistake with your choice, learn from it, and you'll make better choices next time. But if you don't make any choices, you'll never learn how to make better. Responsibility. I'm responsible for myself. You are responsible for yourself. I am not responsible for your choices. My daughter want to, wants to go out and do drugs. I am not responsible as a parent for her choices. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person or I'm a bad parent. She made a choice. She's not in the circle. She's out there. It's not my I don't have to own that. Man, parents all the time want their kids to look great. Why? Because they think it's a reflection of them. And they don't want their kids to have a hard time, of course. But, you know, it's like we've got to look right for everybody else. And so why in alcoholic families, we don't talk across the field, bring other people home to the house so they can see what's going on. We build that nice facade everybody thinks we're great. It's all about how they see us that's important. We do stupid things so that we look good to other people, you know. But that's not my stuff. What James thinks of me, he might think I'm a terrible person. That's his problem, not mine. I don't have to please him. I have to please me, and my heart. I don't have to please him. I mean, it's nice if he likes me. I like that. It feels good. But if he doesn't like me, I don't have to fix that. That's his choice. I'm not responsible for it. Respect. I have the right to set boundaries? <laughs> oh, so do you. If I am going to set boundaries and want you to follow them, then I have to allow you to set boundaries. And I have to follow yours, too, or we have to work better. Okay. Um, evaluation just means I have to look at how my boundaries might affect you. Proactivity and action. They're all about, I have to go out and do this for myself. Nobody else is going to set boundaries for you. You have to go out and do this for yourself. Resentment and envy, I've got that here. Uh, They're really good. Once you can tap into when you're feeling resentment and envy, that tells me I need to set a boundary. Somebody just stepped inside my circle, and my emotions are going off. They're saying, warning... Something's going on here. You need to look at it and set a boundary. I love resentment now, because when I notice that's what's going on, I have to evaluate what's going on, and I realize I I need to set a boundary. It actually helps me. That's what feelings are for. They're there to help us get through life. They're tools. They're part of our living. Um, Exposure. I'm going to be wrapping this up pretty quick. But exposure, what that means is, if I'm going to have boundaries, I've got to let you know where they are. If I don't tell you where my boundaries are, you don't know how to honor them. You're going to walk into one of my boundaries. I'm going to blow up. right? I'm going to go back down to here. And I'm going to be mad, aggressive. I'm going to wall everything off. And that's what usually happens when we first learn to set boundaries. Okay, That's, that's what we do first. We're afraid to tell other people we have a boundary. They violate them. We blow up. When you start getting healthier at setting your boundaries, You start telling people ahead of time, oh, by the way, you know, school tomorrow morning? I've been trying to get you out of bed every morning for the last week. And it's a real pain for me. And it makes me late for work. Tomorrow, I'm leaving at 8.30. You're responsible for getting yourself up. Okay? And if you're not with me in the car, well, I'm leaving at 8.30. I'm not going to wake you up. That's your responsibility. As opposed to, it's 8.30 and I want to leave. I've got a boundary and you're coming with me now. <laughs> right. It doesn't work. Right? Okay. Quickly on to the last page. Some indicators that you're on the right path with your boundaries. The first one seems a little bit harsh. But, um, well, it's actually it's that one about recognizing your feelings of resentment or envy. Envy means you want something that somebody else has. Um, Usually that's a boundary with yourself. You're having trouble with acceptance. You've got to work on your acceptance. Resentment, somebody did something to you, and you failed to set a boundary, so now you need to be aware of that and set the boundary. Um, I'm not sure where I put it, but the first time you set a big boundary, you will feel awful. You will feel awful. Let me tell you the first boundary I set. My former wife went to BC on a trip. She took the kids with her, and after being there for three months, she said, I'm not coming back. And I'm feeling, oh, that's terrible. Then she says, we want to live here. I own half the house, remortgage the house, we're buying a house here, and by the way, I can't get a mortgage by myself, so you're going to co-sign that mortgage." And I'm codependent, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And I agreed for the sake of my kids that, yes, they needed a place to stay I will agree that you won't have this house. So okay, let's remortgage this house, we'll buy this other house together, you can stay there and we'll work things out. And my counselor's screaming at me, wait a second. (laughs) You're just gonna give her everything she wants? What do you want in return? I thought, you're right, I want access to my kids. I want something that says we have joint custody of these kids. Five more minutes. Um, and my counselor I did not know how to set a boundary at this time I did not know what they were about. she said if that's what you want you need to go and tell your wife that you will not sign that mortgage until she signs an agreement that says you have drunk custody of the kids and I gotta tell you I, I don't think I slept for two weeks before I said that to her because I was afraid of her anger. I was afraid of her rejection and it just ate me alive. But in the end, I realized I wanted that agreement in place. I wanted access to my kids, so I told her. Sure, maybe I waited a little late. I think it was a week before the mortgage check was signed. And I said, I'm not going to sign it unless we have this joint custody agreement for the kids. She screamed at me and hanged up the phone. And I heard nothing from her for five days. And on the sixth day, she said, tell me the That was setting a boundary. And I was scared shitless the whole time. I didn't know what was going to happen. But after I've set a boundary like that, it's empowered me to think about what's mine, what I want, and to ask for what I need and set more appropriate boundaries. But I tell you, it's really scary because everything inside of me was screaming, you can't do this, she's going to leave you, she's going to be angry with you, you're a bad person. All that stuff in my disease just got... So strong at the same time. That's when you really need a sponsor and a support group. So don't set boundaries on your own. It says a little bit more on here, but it says start by practicing baby no's. Start by saying no to people that it's safe to say no to. Great place to practice. When the guy comes in and says, I, "I need to tell you about this great insurance deal," blah 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 blah. No, thank you. Oh, well, it's okay. You need to know this. Blah 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 blah. No, thank you. Oh, well, just listen. It's really great. It's only going to hurt. I said, no, thank you. I'm hanging up now. telemarketers marketers. They help you with recovery.
0: Okay. <laughs> it is a great
1: place, place to practice. Practice with your sponsor. Practice in the people you know in recovery. Because they will accept your no and still love you. Because our big fear is that when we say no, we're not going to be loved. <laughs> anyway, there's more things here. I, I really wish we had another time, but we don't. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. If you have any questions, I'm more than happy to answer them. And. Uh...